I don't know in my own body what it means to have post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, something that an estimated 30% of veterans experience in their lifetime, at least those who report it. I don't know what it's like to relive without your consent or control an awful memory of pain or of fear or of death that never really goes away. I have not woken up in the middle of the night shaking or been transported back in time to a combat zone or a flash of light or a sudden loud sound. But I will never ever in my life forget the sound of her voice. We were finishing lunch just about two years ago, right before the pandemic hit. A dozen or so of us at a retreat for pastors, learning how our emotional experience in our families affects who we are as leaders. And as we were eating, one of our facilitators received a call on her cell phone and stepped out into the hallway to answer it. At first, I thought she had a bad connection because we were literally out in the wilderness, but she kept repeating the word, what? What? With greater and greater intensity. And I began to sense that something was really wrong. And then she came back into the room, shaking, and screamed three words that will be with me forever. I need help. She had just received news that her son had been snorkeling on a trip to Puerto Rico and had gotten caught in a riptide. The paramedics had tried to revive him on the shore, but they could not. He had drowned. And after speaking those words, she collapsed into a chair and we immediately surrounded her. Some of the women held on to her with a bear hug and some people spoke prayers, one person sang, some just knelt and wept beside her. We had only met her an hour before and to be honest, I don't think most of us remembered her name. It was the only time in life we were going to see her probably and it all felt so wrong, so out of body, almost like we were dreaming. But it was so very real. The first thing I did, and I think most of us did after lunch, was to call home. To hear the voice of someone we loved. To tell them we loved them. A couple of people decided they needed to leave early, almost as if another day away from family would be unbearable after this bitter reminder that more time is never really a promise in life. And I tell this story not because I think what we're doing tonight, when we solemnly say to each other, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I don't think we're reenacting that. The words of our liturgy tonight are not meant to be traumatizing or frightening. They're not a rehearsal for receiving that kind of news. But there is a sense that this whole night, the space it creates in our lives to be honest, to be real, to be together in the midst of really hard things 
and know that we are never, ever alone. That, I think, is very close to what happened in that moment. When that woman came into the room and not being able to say anything else, cried out like the prophet Joel's trumpet blast on a day of mourning, I need help. It's the same I need help that the man with a secret, or perhaps not so secret, drinking problem finally says out loud when he finds the courage to attend his first AA meeting. Or that the gambler says to her husband when she comes home and admits in tears that she has lost everything. It's the I need help that millions of Ukrainian men, women, and children are pleading to the world this very night as their country is bombed without any provocation. It's the I need help that we will all someday say over and over again as our bodies begin to fail us. When we cannot do for ourselves the things we want to do for ourselves, as that dust from which we came comes closer into view. When you need to say those words, it is good to have someone who is able to hear them, really hear them, who is able to be in your presence without judgment, without anxiety, without cheap, empty platitudes, but who can just hold space with you and your broken heart. And that is precisely what we as the church who are gathered here tonight do for each other on this solemn and holy night. We come with our individual and collective traumas, the memories that haunt us, words said or left unsaid, things done or left undone. And we say to God and to one another, I need help. I am not the perfect person that I pretend to be. My life, my relationship, my family are not as put together as my Facebook profile might seem to indicate. There are things I struggle with. There are things from which I long to be free. There are things I have lost that I continue to grieve and probably always will. So, I need help. I need you, God, but I also need the body of Christ, fellow travelers on this road to walk with me. I need to know that I'm not the only person in this struggle against sin and death. I need to know that you will hold me up just as I promise to hold you up, even as we kneel together at this table to receive what we all need to live. Beloved, that's what this night is. This night and these 40 days, they are an invitation to let our true selves, that part that only God sees in secret, into the light. Our fasting, our prayer and works of love, that, as our gospel wisely reminds us, we can keep between ourselves and God. But our longing for life, for authenticity, for truth, for healing and renewal that we can bring out into the open. Just as the earth begins to awaken from its winter slumber into the warmth and beauty of spring, which is where the word Lent comes from, we too can find ourselves breathing in fresh air, our dry bones being put back together, and our tattered and worn hearts beating strong again in the Savior's love. 
And we know that the Savior is love because it is in this season that the secret things of God are also revealed. How the last become first and the first become last. How the true Lord and Master takes the role of the servant. How it is never too late for the wayward son to come home. And then the final tragic and triumphal unmasking of God on the cross. As the author of life, the innocent lamb, lays down his life for us, his dust creatures. Going down with us to the place he did not need to go, but where we must go, so that even in the grave he is still Lord for us. It is that cross which, is, which was marked upon your forehead in baptism that these ashes will unmask tonight, like that invisible ink that we used to play with as kids that needs a special pen to reveal. This sign of Christ's infinite love for the universe and for you is made visible once again by these ashes, a love that clings to you even in death and which death cannot erase. They are a sign of mortality and penitence, yes. And we do all need to be reminded of those things, that our lives are brief and precious, and that now is always the day of salvation, the day to turn around and reconcile the things that we can reconcile. But even more than that, they are a promise that our fragile lives are held in the life of the crucified one, who now lives beyond death in endless light, and calls to us, however we need to hear it tonight, I have heard your cry for help, and I am here. We will walk this road together, and though it be dusty, though it lead to the cross, it also leads beyond. Come, let us go on our way. <laughs>